Hey, how you doing, man? Yeah, yeah, it's going okay. You? Yeah, you know what's a really underrated match? Uh, Aiden Taylor versus Dan McGee. That's not underrated. If anything, that's overrated. Oh, <laughs> I think Meltzer gave that six stars, didn't he? <laughs> I wish. Uh, underrated. Is it from... Okay, give me the year. Uh, it's from... I'll give you the, uh, the pay-per-view. It's from the first pay-per-view you ever watched, if I remember correctly. Hmm. 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 I don't know. Go on. I'm interested. Um, if the first paper you ever watched was Invasion. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff Hardy versus Rob Van Dam. Oh, that's a fantastic match. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I watched it the other day and it, it holds up so well. It's and so good. It basically made Rob Van Dam in one match. Oh. Like, yeah. So uh, I don't know if you listen to the Brian and Vinny show, but they do this thing where they've been going back. And they've watched like every Raw and every Nitro and compared them. Yeah. And they're up to the point where they're at the invasion now. And um, yeah, like they're talking about just how popular Raw Van Dam was the minute he stepped in a WWE ring. He made himself so quickly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like the fact he was never champion until like 2006. Should have pulled the trigger earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Our guest is here. I shall let him in. Ask him what he thinks of the match. <laughs> yeah, here he comes. Dan. Hello. Dan. Hi. Hello. Random I'm question. Yes. What do you think of the Rob Van Dam versus Jeff Hardy match at Invasion, if you've seen it? Oh, to be honest, I haven't seen it in such a long time, mate. I, uh, I, I can't really remember it off the top of my head. I watched like, it the other day and it holds up so, so well. Like, we were really? It makes, like, it was, was it Rob Van Damme's first match in WWE? Yes. I, At least say, I know he, he was involved with Jeff when they first uh, went across, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they feuded over a couple of, like, the, it was a hardcore championship, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a hardcore, and didn't they were those two involved in the unification of the European belt and the IC belt? Maybe. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I want to say, yeah. Yeah, like he was such a popular guy so quickly. Insane. Insane. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, to be fair, I, I think he's just he's got that uh, very likable charisma about him, hasn't he? Oh yeah, that X factor. He's he's got it in spades. But... Right. That's it. Sorry, sorry, that was a random question to ask you. <laughs> I, should, I, should, it was, I should be asking you, how are you doing? Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very well, thank you, man. How, how have you been? How are you both? Uh, I'm holding up. I'm pretty much so over lockdown at the moment. Uh, Aiden, oh, yeah. You... I'm okay. I can't complain. Not much has changed for me, really. This is how I live my life. <laughs> this is fair like yeah. i don't know T to be honest like i'm you know i'm i'm getting out a lot more in terms of just like going on walks and things because mm -hmm. like i'm on furlough from my uh sort of my shoot job so um yeah i'm i'm just keeping myself occupied the first lockdown i spent most of it 
drinking in the garden because it was nice weather and oh, yeah. playing playing Warzone because that had just been launched. Like, and that was a good way to, you know, keep social with all my friends and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this uh, th- this lockdown, I've made a conscious effort to move more and yeah, I've been I've been out and about. I've been seeing the hidden wonders of the city as lame as that may sound and yeah it's it's going well it's it's good cool it's staying like the, active yeah opposite of me whereas i was active last lockdown this set lockdown i'm like yeah i've got no motivation I, to do anything no motivation to work out or go for a run right or walk. so i think that was me for the that sort of like second mini lockdown around november time <laughs> Like, I, I was just like, oh, I can't be bothered with this again. Like, my birthday's in November as well. So it's like, well, that's a given that I can't even do anything with the friends. And uh, yeah, oh. yeah it, um, it really killed my motivation. And that seeped over into, like, Christmas and everything. And uh, I was sort of like, basically had to give myself a bit of kick up the arse and be like, no, come on, you need, a, you need to get going again. So yeah. that's, that's why I've, you know... There have been times it's been a struggle, don't get me wrong, but yeah. just got to push yourself out, you know what you mean? Yeah, to be honest, like, I always think I'm lucky, like, there's some people who are, I don't know, like, trapped in a single room with living in a house with, like, six other right. housemates or something ridiculous, or they've got to take care of kids. God, that must yeah. be in the ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was the one thing I was so grateful for in that first lockdown, was um, having a garden. You know, just yeah. something as simple as that to be able to go out there. And I mean, it's, it's not the biggest garden by any means, but when it's summer and the sun's quite high, it at least gets the sun for most of the day. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's nice to just be, be outside, like relax. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, as, as it was, I've actually uh, I've moved house since then. I've bought my own place. Back oh, really? Start of December. Oh, um, it's scary. Just, it's just down. I oh, know adulting mate yeah <laughs> it's just down the road down the road from the school actually opposite that sort of like graveyard just around the corner oh, yeah. um but one of the you know and i was looking at a few different gardens one of the or sorry a few different places one of the things i really wanted was a garden just because as, as i say i was just so grateful for it and yeah as you said then there's people who are just stuck inside four walls and that's it and i don't envy them one bit you know yeah how was um, buying the place? Is it a fixer-upper or do you have to do any work with it? I know Louis had to do a lot of work on, on his um, place that he got. Yeah, to be honest, it's, it's been pretty good. There was, there was a few things. like uh, There was one um, sort of like middle, sort of the dining room slash second living room bit um, was a very dark sort of sapphire blue. Mm-hmm. Um which obviously works with my entrance music being called Sapphire, <laughs> but um, it's it's not it's not really the uh, it's not really the colour you'd want for a whole room. It was very dark, and even like the back of the doors into the kitchen were painted the same colour, so there was no break in it when everything was shut. So um, yeah, we quickly quickly redid that room, um, and then. You know, there's there's the odd things you want to do. Like I want to do up the kitchen a little bit. Um, the garden was uh, wasn't the best, so we we have we've essentially gutted all of that out, and I'm just now waiting to get the old artificial grass put in. Oh. Um, and then yeah, it's, everything could do with a touch up, but it's finding 
the priorities first because obviously everything's going to cost a bit of money yeah. and everything with what's going on in the world you just got to be a bit more sensible with that at the moment you know I suppose yeah, yeah. And there's no rush I mean it's not like you're planning well, yeah. moving out anytime soon I assume so you know, no I, I bought I said I bought this place specifically over a few others I saw because you know I can see myself here for a good 10-15 years you know like making this a home you know again mm-hmm. as cliched as that is but yeah adulting wow well um cool um so Aidan where shall we we start um Dan do you want to tell people um we usually oh. start with like what was your first memory of watching wrestling like where yeah. did you first see it or did, did you hear you... about it before you saw it um so to be honest I I had a slightly different introduction to wrestling um it wasn't so much through the through the actual tv shows and everything it was through the um smackdown game on station one you have no idea Um, how many people have told us the exact same like so many people (laughs) wrestling through the video myself included Um, yeah i didn't have a clue like who the wrestlers were on on uh, for me it was uh no mercy before i know oh yeah yeah um, yeah these wrestlers were and it's really weird. Like I knew them from the game before I knew them in reality. If that makes sense, in, right? No, definitely. I remember. Um, so I didn't. I, I think. I think I must have had no mercy as well. Maybe on the N sixty four, or was there another N sixty four wrestling game? Oh, there was loads. Sort of uh, game, WrestleMania two thousand, or there was WCW. No, it's Warzone. It, it, Warzone. Been, uh, oh, War Warzone. Maybe I think it would have been. Um, but either way, I, I remember sort of like when I when I had a Nintendo 64, sort of like my old um, babysitter, her son just gave me a load of games and that was sort of like included. Oh. So, um, yeah. right. Well, obviously, again, I, I knew nothing of it. I, I thought it was just like, a, a you know, Tekken Street Fighter sort of a thing, I suppose. Um, and then my sort of like my close friend growing up, uh, his dad was in the Navy and he went out to the Middle East at one point and came back with um, all of these sort of like PlayStation games. So obviously I didn't have a PlayStation at the time. So I was always around my mate's house. And um, yeah, he had both SmackDown and SmackDown 2 yeah. uh, on this on PlayStation. And uh, because we'd always sort of like play it together, we um, we were always like the Hardy Boys. So I, I I don't know if they were maybe the tag team holders as at the time of the game release or something. So I've, I couldn't tell you why we chose them. Um, but he was always Matt. I was always Jeff because uh, he was the year older than me. So he was the uh, the, the older boy, you know. <laughs> yeah. And um, yep. yeah, it just it, essentially it happened from there. And then, God, there must have been some point he was just like, oh, yeah, like this wrestling's on... Um, on tv as well and obviously it used to be on sky sports which i didn't have yeah um, did I. but there was no there was a sky one i think we got free with it so they had a saturday morning recap show of um i want to say it was smackdown over yes, raw yeah so I, I remember watching that but i couldn't tell you what the, the first wrestler i actually saw or anything like that i just all of my memories are rooted in that video game you know <laughs> <laughs> so from there that was the what that was the attitude era you came in yeah sort of like towards the end so i remember um 
I, I remember the invasion, sort of like all little things. Again, I didn't really understand it. I'd, I'd probably been about, what, eight, eight or nine mm. would have been around evasion angle. So like, I am, um, yeah, you know, I, I wasn't an avid follower of following everything, but, you know, I liked the, the main, my favourite main guys sort of a thing. Um, so yeah, I, I remember watching some of that and then, Really, I when I turned ten, um, I started playing uh, football, like youth team football. Yep. And they trained on a Saturday morning, so I effectively stopped watching it. Um, like if if the training was ever rained off because obviously bad weather we always get in this country, um, I may stick it on. But by that point, I'd sort of lost interest a bit. I'd say. Um, I remember watching. Was it? No way out. Two thousand and two, like just after the, um, just after the invasion angle, when Vince actually brought in the NWO. Yep, um, that is that first big, yeah. time. Yeah, so I, I remember that was my first ever pay per view. Um, so like again, my my mate uh, recorded it because he had the Sky Sports, and I remember thinking he'd given me a duff tape because obviously the NWO opened <laughs> and it was, all, it was all in black and white, and. <laughs> Like I knew nothing of WCW other than this invasion angle from yeah. WWE, right? So, um, yeah, I, I had no idea that's actually what you know they actually came out to was with the screen going black and white and everything. So that really threw me. I remember that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it probably wasn't until later on again when, when I'd been near 15, 16, around 2007 that I started to really pick it up and jump back into it again, you know? okay what was it that made you go back um, nostalgia yeah partly nostalgia uh the, the fact that i had uh you know we, we had sky sports by that point in my home and i also had multi-room so i had it up in my bedroom nice um so i remember flicking through and it was it would have been a thursday night because it was the repeat of monday night raw on that like half nine or something so it's still yeah. you know post watershed so you could see all the chair hits and everything that yeah. they don't show um before then um but i i remember it would have been the go home show to the royal rumble that year um when jeff was the intercontinental title holder and he was facing randy orton for the ww title oh yes, and, yes, yes yeah and the uh you know, it was the fact that Randy was having his intercontinental title shot on that Raw, disqualified himself straight away because he went for a low blow and then they just brawled. And that's when Jeff ended up climbing up the lighting rigging and swan tomming off from like, <laughs> what, 15 foot or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and so obviously by this point, I was very much aware everything was uh, predetermined and made up, but I was just still hooked that somebody had the guts to jump off from that height and go for it. Um you know it's one thing I've seen the videos and the pictures of uh mankind going but in my mind it's like well he still got thrown off with that like <laughs> it takes guts to be teetering on the edge and be you being the one to control yourself to go yeah. um and yeah again like I said, I'm a I think it was nostalgia for Jeff I'm a bit of a mark for Jeff as well I'm happy to admit that and yeah. um yeah that being the first uh the closure of the first episode I saw, I was just sort of like hooked back into it. And then obviously you get to learn all the other guys and girls who are in it. 
and you start to develop those sorts of uh, emotional connections as well, you know? I think the Rumble is a good sort of gateway into wrestling as well. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, it's no secret. It's the road to WrestleMania and they try to pull their finger out a bit more, don't they? To, uh, <laughs> to, yeah, to, to really draw those viewers in for Mania. Yeah. And again, like, you know, I was, I was uh, earning my own money. Then I'd, I either had a paper round or I was maybe that summer I was starting my, um, you know, my first part-time job. So I had my own money. So I was then happy to pay, I think it was only 10 quid, maybe 15 quid at a time for pay-per-view to watch Mania that year. Oh, wow. Um, so like I was, yeah, I was re- ready and excited. This is obviously pre-network days where you get it all on there for 10 a month or whatever it is now. What Mania was that? Um, I want to say, actually, no, I'll tell a lie. It, so that was Mania 24. Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't get that. Um, I can't remember. I think th- throughout sort of like that year, I was a little bit on and off uh, with it. I didn't like keep up to date with it properly. Um, but then towards the end of the year, when uh, Jeff won the belt from uh, Triple H and Kozlov, um, and then oh, yeah. that that then flowing all the way through to um, WrestleMania 25. That was that was my first. So yeah, WrestleMania 25 was my first Mania um, because I wanted to see the Hardy's brothers feud, but also you know I was drawn in by the Shawn Michaels Undertaker. Um, all the stuff Cena was doing. Uh, I think I'm, I'm sure like Edge was that was the year when he at No Way Out he lost the belt very quickly and then ended up putting himself in the other elimination chamber yes. and won it. So there was no main belt on Raw and they were both from SmackDown. And yeah, I've, it was good storytelling in my opinion, you know, like I, I feel that that's what's lacking at the moment. It was just something to get truly invested in you know yeah like that Shawn michaels undertaker feud that lasted like ages because that was like Shawn michaels undertaker right. was the champ at the time and Shawn michaels was determined to win the rumble so oh, he yeah. could face undertaker yeah yeah and that was the story leading up to the rumble and then he gets eliminated like halfway through and you're like where yeah. does he go from there and then he turns up in the chamber and yeah, yeah. it was just very it was very very good story so like and again i can't remember the full uh timelines of everything but you know at the same sort of time you also had jericho versus michaels who had that massive feud mm-hmm. you had uh punk versus uh jeff with the whole just say no stuff which obviously awesome. since looking more into it that stuff he was doing uh ring of honor but obviously that was all like, I, I didn't really know what ring of honor was at the time and that was yeah. the first uh yeah, that, that, that was the first time of truly getting invested into punk and realising it. And yeah, it was just in, insane. Absolutely insane. Punk um, was the first guy where when he talked, I listened because every other time I was yes. like, oh, these guys are boring. But punk was I just... know, I know exactly what you mean. Like, again, and I think Jericho around the same sort of time as well as yes. when he became his real obnoxious heel, slow talking, like you had to listen to make sure you heard his point. Yeah. Um, he started coming yeah. out in the suit and he was doing all that stuff. Right. Like, and I think looking back, like when I, again, when I started to understand wrestling more than just what you did as a kid, 
I realized just how much I loved him when I was younger as well, because mm. I used to think he was the best. And then he'd turn on WWE and possibly be joining the Alliance. And <laughs> I hated his guts. And obviously that's the whole, that that's your job as a worker, whether you're being a babe face or a heel, you know, like, but it, it was just very funny to look back on those moments now with an adult mind and realize just how great he was at, twisting those emotives you know oh yeah yeah but, so yeah so when was on, the actual uh, i know it's probably not a single defining moment but uh was there was there a single defining moment where you were like i i want to do this myself um to be honest that there, there probably was more of a defining moment so um it's one of those where, again uh, you'll hear nearly everybody say it like it felt like it was unachievable as a kid right so it was something that looked cool and looked great and oh i'd love to do that but i mean when i was a kid i'd, I'd love to have been an astronaut as well you know <laughs> yeah, what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. um like it it was that sort of a thing and um i remember when i was starting to get back into it when i was sort of about 15 16 i um i, I did have a little google on uh, sort of local schools in the area and there was one which was the uh, Varsity Pro Wrestling School. Yep. Which, That's my, uh, um, my first school I trained at. That uh, with, it really? With the UK kid, yeah. Yes, yes. And um, so I actually remember I, I emailed there, the UK kid, um, and just sort of like just to inquire about it. And uh, obviously, Ben, you can correct me here, but I think it was like a upfront payment, was it, before... Um, uh, before you could go along or well let's see the way he charged me was um yeah. you basically paid for a month of training and you could train yeah. as many times as you wanted um that being said like the school was open like so sporadically it wasn't like oh, really? now where it's like a you know the days are set in stone it's like oh we might be open this day and this day so come on down so uh, yeah I, I remembered like i remember it being a lot more like a, a lot more expensive than I was expecting. And like, so I think that's because it's probably the same thing, you know, you've paid for a month's worth of training. Um, whereas I was trying to compare it to what I'd pay for my football training for one session sort of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but long story short, I, I didn't end up training there at all. Um, I just sort of like watched it as a fan. And uh, when, when I started working part-time, um, so it's just in the local Ralph Lauren down in um, our local shopping centre. Um, we had a uh, a uni student come down who did wrestling. Uh, and so I got chatting with him. Uh, his name is um, Ricky Suave is his uh, worker's name. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you boys know of Ricky. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. oh. yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously, so um, yeah, started working early and like he would, you know, he he was trying to persuade me to come along and I was really unsure because I wasn't the most confident uh, sort of teenager. Like, I'm, it was one of those, it's like, oh, I can't do it because my mates are going to laugh me out of the building and then they're not going to want to be my mates anymore. So yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I just stupidly let that get in my own head. And uh, I didn't, so I didn't start training there. Um, but then fast forward a few more years like I was about six years I was about 22 and um there was a lad I used to go to school with 
And as you do with Facebook, you're still friends with all these old people. Um, and so something popped up on my timeline from him and he was having this debut wrestling match. And so I was sort of intrigued by it because I didn't even know he was into it. And then I looked at his opponent and it was Elliot. It was old uh, Ricky Suave. <laughs> so I, I was looked at, I was like, man, I know that guy. So I just there and then messaged the lad I used to uh, go to school with. And it's like, hey, mate, like we haven't spoken in years. Um, this might sound random, but how did you get into wrestling? And he told me about it. He told me about the Portsmouth School of Wrestling, obviously all linked with Rev Pro. Mm-hmm. Um and when they had their uh, when they had their training sessions, and so, but basically asked if I wanted to come along, and um, I, I, I was more confident by that point. Like I st- remember, I still only told the my two sort of like close mates who I was living with at the time. I told each of them, one who we watched every pay per view together anyway, so I knew he was a fan of wrestling, so he wouldn't mind. And the other lad who he, he didn't really care for us, but I knew he wouldn't take the mick out of it. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I felt confident telling those two. Um, so I missed, I, I think I was speaking to Luke on a, uh, on an early, you know, early week, maybe Monday, Tuesday. And he sort of said there was a Wednesday, um, Wednesday training session. However, uh, I was still playing football for our local pub team at the time. And we, we trained on a Wednesday evening. So I was like, oh, I can't do that, but I can possibly do the weekend because it was over the summer, you know, there wasn't any games. Um, so yeah, I then went the following Sunday and um, yeah, been, been with the Portsmouth School of Wrestling ever since. So can you remember what the first session was like? Like what you went through oh. and what they had to do? I can. It was horrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so I've, you know, I've always been a relatively fit lad. Like, you know, I've played football from the age of 10 through to 22. I used to do like the great self runs and athletics clubs and this and that. So I was always really fit. Um, and we went to the the first session and the warm up was a uh, hundred squats and a hundred press ups, obviously like we do now. Um, but we, we didn't have the sit-ups at the time. So it was 100 squats, 100 um, sit-ups. And for all the football I'd played, for everything else, I'd never done a squat in my life. <laughs> um, so to do 100 seemed mad to me. Ooh. And I mean, probably my form was probably terrible, um, but there was about six of us. So uh, we all stood around in a circle and I think I managed about 88. I tried to count because there are a few times I had to stop and shake my legs out. Cause like I said, I'd never done it before. Um, then went in, did our press ups and started doing the stretching warm up. And I could just feel myself getting lightheaded and dizzy. And I'm like, I'm going to throw up here. And so I went outside. There was a drain right next to the door and I just oh. spewed everywhere inside <laughs> of it. And then, I remember then you went thinking, straight back in. Well, so I remember thinking at the time, right, yeah, I've, I've tried wrestling. It clearly isn't for me. Like, this is next level. Um, wow. So I was like, yeah, this, this isn't for me. But I'd already paid my tenner. This was about 20 minutes into the three-hour session. <laughs> like, well, it's a waste of money. And even though I'd never met any of these 
guys before, obviously other than Luke. Um, I'd not met any of these guys before. I was like, I don't want to look weak in front of them. So I'll go back in, I'll do this session, but that'll be it. I'm not, I'm not coming back and I'll be done. Um, so then when it actually came to the main session, uh, there was myself and there was a girl called Amy who um, was a little bit sporadic at the start uh, with uh, sort of coming, you know, coming to shows, um, sorry, coming to sessions. And me and her were paired up and Luke was told to just teach us essentially a bit of chain wrestling. So um, headlocks, hammerlocks, wrist locks. And we just went over those three. We went over different reversals out of them and we went over um, obviously going from a hammerlock into the wrist lock or into the headlock or whatever it was, you know. Mm -hmm. And that was the session. Everyone else were, were doing other bits. I can't remember if they were doing matches or not. Um, but yeah, they were all doing other bits. And at the very end, uh, sort of like Quilden and Simmons sort of like called me and Amy over to just to one corner of the ring near where they were sat. It was like, right, just show us what you've done today. And so we just went over that, just, you know, oh, we've done this. And then once we'd done it all once, we just sort of stopped and they went, no, go on, keep going. And so we just kept, kept on doing it for like 10 minutes, just the exact same three or four movements. And I don't know what it was, but I just loved it. And I was just, yeah, I, I was hooked from that moment. And that that mindset of, well, I'm going to make it through this session, but maybe wrestling isn't for me. That was just gone. And <laughs> yeah, and I then remember the next the next training session, I was put into, it was a Wednesday evening and I was put into a tag match and it was myself and Lion Kid yep. uh, again, against Luke and... I can't remember what name he's wrestling under now, but um, Ben is his uh, shoot name. Um, but uh, yeah, we, and it, obviously it was the most simplistic of things. I think I maybe threw a leg drop in there and oh. maybe maybe a splash um, and that was it. But yeah, it, it was it was great. I, I, I didn't mess up I like obviously I didn't really do anything at all to to mess up but I remember even to this day Simmons's feedback was you know you're exactly where you needed to be so well done and sort of like from that moment I was like right maybe there is something here I'm not a total idiot <laughs> and and yeah and just I've run with it ever since you know it's weird how like when you're a fan just watching like you're interested in like all the cool moves and stuff but then when you get to training it's the chain wrestling that you fall yeah, in love with yeah. right and i i mean don't get me wrong that there was the, the, the i'd already had plans that you know as you do you have all your character ideas and stuff at the start and yeah. i wanted to do a top rope splash because where i used to be a musician I was like right i can call that the stage dive and <laughs> things like and and things like this and um we we don't do it so much anymore but we used to do a uh a sort of exercise where you would be a a well-known wrestler and you'd like copy their mannerisms and do their moves and everything. Yeah. And you wouldn't, you'd put a mini match on with someone else and you wouldn't tell the rest of the class and they had to try and guess who you were from that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when I first, you know, the first time I did a match like that, um, I was Jeff Hardy again, cause like I say, he was my favorite. And uh, I remember doing the whisper in the wind and like, so I do like doing all of that sort of acrobatic -y sort of stuff, like 
or what I can do with that. There, like there are some people obviously like your Ospreys or even like closer to our school, like Brewers or Sam's, like who, who can just are phenomenal with it. Yeah. Um, but the more simplistic stuff, I'm, I wasn't too bad at. So uh, yeah, I, I was still doing that sort of stuff. But yeah, the actual hold for hold, I think is such a, it's definitely something that I pay a lot more attention to nowadays. Yeah, like I love doing tech wrestling more than when the match quote unquote starts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Like no, I could I watch agree. Zach Sabre Jr. versus Sonada for hours. Oh, that's yeah. all they do. <laughs> I, I could watch Zach Sabre Jr. versus anyone for hours. Yeah, like yeah. On, honestly, like that that guy is so, so good. Mm-hmm. Um I remember we were we had a training seminar with him and oh. I think there there'd been a couple, like there was one before I started and then there was the uh yeah the one I went to and I am it's jealous. insane it's absolutely insane uh honestly the one I'm jealous of though is of so like yeah you know your Jamie's and your Rich and Curtis's is yeah. they had um Prince Devitt about a month before I started that was a month oh, after I first stopped yeah <laughs> oh really I missed that one as well yeah I stopped going and then I looked and he was there and I was like that perfect time for me to stop right (laughs) honestly like and to be honest obviously i didn't know who he was at the time so i I knew nothing of indie wrestling i'd sort of heard of new japan because Mm -hmm. of um brock lesnar being over there and i knew of tna obviously at the time um i'd actually been to a tna show when i went over to america when i was sort of like 17 or so sweet oh was that Um, when they were uh, uh just uh Universal Studios? The, yes, yeah, that Universal. And um, I remember uh, I was queuing up afterwards for a meet and greet with AJ Styles. Nice. Who, um, again, I because I was sort of like watching TNA, I knew a lot of those guys. And I remember seeing an AJ Styles versus Jeff Hardy match. I think it might have been Jeff's first match in TNA, actually. Um, but I remember finding that on YouTube and watching that. And... Um, yeah, I uh, so I'll, as I remember, as we were waiting to, to get the picture of him, I was there with my mum, and you know, bless her, she she really wasn't that interested, but she came <laughs> along anyway. Um, and there was a big sort of like during the show, they did their normal TNA taping, and then they did their was it TNA Explosion was the other one they did. Yeah, um, yeah, sounds about right. And right, and they had um, Doug Williams on and. Uh, old uh, Nick Aldis, um can't remember what his name was in TNA. Was it Magnus? Magnus, Prince, yes, right. Magnus, yeah. Magnus. Yeah. So yeah, so um, they had both of those uh, were uh, sort of like had a match, and there was a over to my right hand side in the crowd. There was quite a big um, group of people cheering, and they were from Preston Way, I think it was. So uh, afterwards, they sort of like came out into the crowd and sort of like met with the English fans over there, and. I hadn't even clocked this. Um, but my mum, like I say, she was just waiting in the crowd for me to do my meet and greet with AJ. And she knew of Nick from when he was um, Oblivion on the Gladiator. Gladiators Reaver, yeah. right? <laughs> and so uh, she actually went over herself and asked for a picture with both of them. And then when I um, had sort of like finished my meet and greet, had my term with AJ, um, I actually then, uh, my mum sort of like grabbed me and, I got over and met those two as well. Um, <laughs> so that was pretty cool because I then 
two years into my wrestling, I ended up wrestling Doug. Um, oh, sweet. So that was a real, real nice moment. Unfortunately, it's on a show where the card has been corrupted. Ah. Um, so it will never see the light of day, uh, oh, which I'm so, so upset about. Um, yeah, because there, there was a real good story behind the show as well. Um, and like, I basically worked the whole match with an injured knee and Doug was very happy with it, which, you know, like I say, two, two years into wrestling, probably only my fourth match on one of the main shows. <laughs> that, that really, really meant a lot to me. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's so surreal to know that I met him back in Orlando almost five, six years earlier, you know? Yeah, it's weird how things come like full circle in life like that. It seems to be a, a thing. like Very a much so. Uh, let's take it back to you. We're enjoying um, chain wrestling. Can you tell us the story of your first match and how it came about? Yes. So uh, as with a lot of the guys, obviously from our training school, uh, my first match was in the uh, Revolution Rumble. Yeah. Um, so uh, I remember it was about... Six months after I started start uh, started wrestling, I think started training. They um they sort of like pushed me into it. Like I was I initially started uh, training once a week, especially when the football season started again. Um, I'd be playing football Sunday morning, so I'd only train on the Wednesday evenings. Um, but you know, coupled with stupid politics within Sunday league football, believe it or not, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, and then the want to obviously push and try to get onto that show. Um, I sort of stopped uh, the football training. I'd train twice a week. Um, unfortunately, I worked on Saturdays or I'd have done all three days. Um, and yeah, just made it my goal to really try and get onto that um, Rumble show. And luckily for myself, uh, it became... A like it became a thing uh, and I was even trusted enough to open the Rumble with yeah. um, with James Castle so he was number one I was number two oh, awesome. and yeah it was insane I, I remember going through the sort of opening section of the match about four or five times um, at training My the first ever move I hit was a missile drop kick onto him um oh. straight from my entrance because he ran up he like he would carry a chair with him at the time so he was going to hit me with the chair i'd missile drop kick the chair into oh. him and um what an incredible start yeah right it, it was honestly it was great and uh luckily like i'm so where before i said i was so worried about what my friends might think about me doing it etc um as soon as i sort of like i told them all Everyone was just so supportive. It was so ridiculous that I ever doubted it. <laughs> and um, I had so many people came to support me. And um, it's funny, I remember where I was. So I was number two in the Rumble. And so I remember coming through the curtain, music playing. And I remember standing there for what felt like an eternity. Yeah. And I've since seen a video back and I'm not even there for a second. Like, <laughs> honestly, it was so, so strange. Um, but I will never forget this moment to the right-hand side of me. There were these three kids, probably, I don't know, about 
eight to ten years old. I'm not great with ages, uh, but they were young. And I saw like, you know, trying to be the good guy, going for the high five. They all just totally blanked me. <laughs> <laughs> like they obviously, yeah, and again, why should they? they? They didn't know who I was. They didn't know anything. But I was straight away like, oh, crap, like I'm not going <laughs> to. You know, if they're going to hate me, that's going to mean everyone else thinks they're going to hate me and I'm going to ruin it all and blah, blah, blah. And a group of my mates, like there must have been about 20 of them or so, was in the direct opposite diagonal corner from me. Mm -hmm. And when they obviously saw it was me, they all started cheering. And so I gone round and I've literally just made a beeline straight towards them. And Rob Lias was in the audience. um, So I'd I heard he get, he told the story on your pod with him, but yeah. we used to play football together. So uh, he he sort of like came along. I totally blanked him because <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> because he was on the same side as where these uh, where these kids were. Um, I had some um, sort of like some of my bandmates. They were in the audience as well, and I totally blanked them because I was like, well, I've just got to get to these people who are cheering for me, just so everybody else sort of like understands that, you know. Yeah. Um, and so. I've then been swarmed by all of them. Like, like I say, they couldn't have been more supportive. And then, uh, yeah, ended up obviously getting into the ring and going through all the rumble. Um, it's funny, like Jake McCluskey came in at one point and uh, just came over to me. And by this point, every bad guy who came into the rumble just started beating me up. Every good guy sort of like came over and tried to avoid me. And then Jake McCluskey's come in who's like sort of like the big Pompey hero at the time mm-hmm. and like just picked me up and was like, Oh God, what's he going to do here? And he just raised my arm. And so like, obviously all wow. of my mates then cheered for him yeah. and they all knew he was a good guy as well. And it's funny because talking to some of my mates afterwards, they said their next favorite wrestler um, on that show was Jake McCluskey. <laughs> um, so it just goes. And that, that for me was unwillingly my first like, lesson in crowd psychology almost you know what I mean yeah yeah um so yeah so that was pretty funny and then as it was I uh, eventually got eliminated and as I left the kids who blanked me at the start rushed over because they were obviously right near the curtain they rushed <laughs> over and wanted a high five each so mm. they I got my high five from them so uh <laughs> yeah that that was pretty good and then with what happened in the rumble uh, that basically then led to the next show, which was my first singles match against uh, James Castle. And I remember Colt Cabana was on that show as well, doing nice. his classic stuff. And I, I remember like talking to Jamie after the match and um, sort of like James was like, oh yeah, Colt actually gave me some uh, pretty good advice, blah, blah, blah. And um, so I sort of like, was like, oh, okay, like we can go and ask the professionals for the advice as well. So I went to ask him and he's like, yeah, it was all right. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and at, at, at the time I was like, oh, okay, is there nothing to work on? But obviously now looking back, it's because I was still only one show in, you know, yeah. like, so I was as green as grass. Like there have been people who have been wrestling longer than I had who had then given up like I mean the, the guy he wrestled that night sort of like for him he wrestled sort of like a star and that was then his last match he sort of called it a day so yeah. you know looking back he Colt had no no reason to know that I'd want to be sticking around or anything and yeah. 
it was you know so I, yeah there's no real feeling but at the time I was just like oh okay like was that okay um but yeah from what I remember it was it was a pretty decent decent match as second matches go you know um I'm I'm not bad with the old memory so I'm uh, I, I remembered most of it which uh, definitely helps um <laughs> But I'm also good at listening. So, you know, that's the main two things you need as a as a trainee coming through, I think. Uh, did you win the 2017 Rumble? Um, yes. So I, I have a funny so. story. I don't know if you'll remember this, but I debuted in the 2017 Rumble. And okay. afterwards, one of my friends came up and she was like, sign my boobs. And I went, <laughs> I looked around and I was like, I've got no pens. What do I do? And you were signing stuff because you were sat at the ring with the trophy and kids were asking for your autographs and you had okay, a Sharpie. Yeah. And I was like, excellent. Here we go. Sharpie. I can sign boobs with your Sharpie. Perfect. And I went up <laughs> and you, you were like, sorry, mate, I don't have a Sharpie. I've got this biro. <laughs> so I took the yeah. biro. Wow. So you signed some boobs for the biro. Yeah, the biro. And my mum came over and she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> I yeah, I think so. I I remember uh, so I won the Rumble back to back. I believe I'm still the only guy to win it back to back for for Revpro. Uh, and yeah, I do remember there, um, especially that first time. Obviously, I was so unprepared for it um like initially being told about it and then when i actually then got the nod that it was going to be me i was just shocked and uh yeah but i having all these kids i remember one of my friends his um his little nephew came along and afterwards like he wouldn't stop talking about it wouldn't stop talking about me <laughs> and i actually uh play with the, his nephew's dad now like his uh, my mate's brother-in-law on uh, Warzone and it gets brought up every now and then um, like but yeah I, I was just I was not prepared at all so I, th I think probably that biro was what some other little kid had yeah. handed over yeah. <laughs> and that's what I was using like you know uh, but yeah that is, that's amazing I, to be honest I kind of remember you telling me that before now yeah. now you mention it because I was great rushing around trying to find a pen and i was like oh <laughs> damn, he's signing stuff i remember a kid gave you a biro i was like maybe he's still holding on to that biro and i just i was like damn i need a pen and you were like i've got this biro <laughs> and i was go. so desperate i was like cool cool thank you hey mate i'm just glad i was able to help you sign some boobs you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm marking that down as a wingman moment <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another yeah. funny story I have from uh, us was uh, the last match that I had was against you. Yeah, likewise, mate. March yeah. the 14th. Yeah, almost uh, a year. That was, uh, yeah, March. Yeah. Yeah, because I should have been going to America that day. And uh, uh, it was... Yes. We, because, UK yeah. hadn't been put on the travel ban yet. I think they weren't put on until Monday. Mm. Um, but I was going to do the Disney uh, parks and everything. And they all closed down on the Wednesday before, so like yeah. the 11th. And um, yeah, I, I remember just going to uh, almost calling up Simmons on the Thursday morning and just being like, hey, mate, is there any chance I can uh, 
get involved with the show on Saturday now. I'm not going to the States. And because um, who were you down to wrestle? JJ. Was it JJ? Yeah. Okay. So I can't. Did it, Was he still on the show? Or was he just not Yes, he wrestled or? Rob Lias. Oh, was that was it. Yeah. The so, whole, yeah, the whole bit, show got moved around. Like the plan yeah, was, was completely thrown out the window. So, uh, yeah, I do, I do remember. Like, so I remember Simmons was going to be on it and then he wasn't. And, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, luckily I got to, I think that was the first time really ever. Like we haven't really done much at training together either, had we? Nope, there's um, a lot of people from the school. that I Like James Castle, I've never been in the ring with. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 So, uh, but yeah, no, that was, that was a, that was a really fun match, man. But yeah, yeah sorry. So, what, what was your story you were going to say? Sorry, I'll just kind of cut no, you off. No, 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 I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so afterwards you called an audible and you called me back in the ring. And we had like some words and that and you were basically asking, you, you were just basically telling me, uh, I'm going to offer my hand, turn it away, blah, blah, blah. So we're in the ring talking for like, I don't know, 30 seconds or whatever. Uh, I walk out, my dad came up to me after the match and he thought it was all a shoot. No way. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, what went on in that ring? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you two really hated each other. Well, wow, there we go. You've worked with my dad. Well, that's it. Hey, like, honestly, it's just a, a lot A lot of things like that are just, you know, tried and tested and recycled. But especially when they haven't been, like, when you wrestle at the same place for a little while, like, obviously, we do with all our trainee shows or obviously mm-hmm. I've worked down in UPW quite a bit. Um You see the things that haven't been done in a while. So, like, right, we can do this again because it'll be fresh and new. And uh, yeah, it's oh, it's, it's good that I worked with dad to be fair, like, yeah, because we started in each other's faces and then nice. at the end of it, yeah, because I think I called it for the beginning, I was like, let's get in each other's faces, and at the end of the match, you were like, get in my face again, yeah. yeah I, I'll be honest, I don't even remember that, like, wow, <laughs> yeah, that's so, fair yeah. Play. Wow. I was, I was like rolling out the ring because I've been pinned, and you know, you're taught as soon as you're pinned, get out of the ring, and you, I just heard you saying, get back in. So I came back in yeah, and then you were like, don't shake my hand as you're offering me your hand. <laughs> yeah. I like to do that quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it worked. Yeah. No, I'm glad. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shows I, I have learned something over the uh, six years of training and going to shows and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we also did, because uh, I remember you told me Lance Archer told you once only call the match three times, I think. I think that's some, yeah, you told me that Lance Archie taught you that, so I made a conscious yeah. effort to only go over the match three or four times with you. Yeah, yeah, to be honest, like that's, uh, you, you know, it works with di- different things for different people. Yeah. Um, but f- for me, I'm very much, the more I think about it, the more I start to get bits, or, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we could be there, we could have gone through the match five times, and then it'll be like, oh, you know, actually, this will work better here. And so then you change it slightly. And then when it actually comes to the match, you'll forget what it is you've done, you've changed. And then there's that real uncertainty almost. Are you Um, like going with the original plan or did we change that? Or what was the, the, yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. And so, um, yeah, like I, uh, I'll be honest, I I didn't even remember it was Lance who told me that. but yeah, that's something I like to try to do is again, just keep it simple. You know, like the more you try to overcomplicate things, the more it's yeah. 
you know, you are going to get confused. And obviously you, you always want to have that wiggle room, um, like especially if you're on later on in the card, you can sort of suss out what the crowd like and yeah. everything like that. Um, I remember a story from one of the early York Hall matches I went to and it was uh, Marty versus Will. Oh, yeah. And I remember they apparently, uh, Corden's told me this story, they had this match planned, you know, for a good month or so being built up. It's going to be this big epic thing. And then just before they went through the curtain, I think it was Marty to Will, but it could have been the other way around. But they basically said, oh, at this point here, let's do this. And what they did became like one of the highlights of the match almost. Um, (laughs) So so it can be just a quick off-the-cuff call, boom, Mm -hmm. done. But then equally, those guys are, you know, 10, 12, 15-year-old veterans who can easily do that and can easily go with that sort of stuff. You know, they're very comfortable and confident in talking to one another in the ring to remind each other. Whereas, I mean, even for myself, I'm still a little bit, I'm not as communicative in the ring as much as I could be. Um, There are certain times I know I... I do it well and there are other times I really know I should have done it better you know what I mean mm-hmm. um so yes that's another thing like if you've got the match down just that's that's the match you know what yeah. I mean that's so yeah that's yeah I remember that's yeah. what you said because you had that triple yeah. threat with Lance Archer at Southampton yes with yeah and Simmons as well yeah 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 that's where I remember it from yeah, I love that match. That was a good match. <laughs> I, rem- I remember there was a... Uh, so the day before, mm-hmm. I'd made uh, my debut at York Hall against Bodum. Yes. And it was like the blow-off feud of that. And um, I think we opened the show, actually. And uh, Lance was sort of had come from out back and was uh, watching a bit of it. So like unbeknown to me, um, to, like, I was too nervous to speak to anybody else. Um, so I didn't ask for any of the veterans to watch the match or anything, which you should always do in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, I wasn't focused on that. Um, but yeah, Lance had again, just come out to try to suss the crowd out a little bit, have, have a feel. And he pulled me and Bodum to the side afterwards and was like, gave just this great advice. And uh, there's one point in the match I've turned around and I've slapped Bodum really hard and it like echoed through your call. Oh. And me and me and Josh would like, well, he likes to take things a bit more seriously and lay things in to be than other opponents that I've had. But yes. I'm equally happy to give that back as well. Uh, and I felt that there was that like mutual respect with me and him there. Uh, so I knew it like when I was going for the slap, I wasn't holding anything back. I, I'm confident in my own abilities. I can do it safely. Um, so yeah, I, I just leathered it and Lance brought that up afterwards um, and actually sort of said to Josh about, look, just give him your neck. Don't shy away because that's when things can go wrong, which I didn't realise he had or hadn't anyway. Um, but fast forward to the next night when it's the triple threat, it gets to a point where yearns out of the ring for some reason and it's just me and Lance and it's just before my comeback and know like he's getting down in my face I'm sort of like you know trying to show the hope push him away and everything and he sort of like gets down onto his knees laughing in my face and I just turn around and I just give him a big slap yeah and I remember talking to him afterwards and he and that wasn't cool that was literally just a improv off the moment (laughs) thing there 
I knew it was gonna like the crowd were gonna come up for it if I nailed it well. Yeah. And I was, sp- I was speaking to him backstage afterwards, and he went, "Yeah, the uh, when that slap came, I was like, oh god, he's gonna chew me out for it." And he went, "It was perfect." He's like, I, I needed to remember my own advice. I had to make sure I wasn't going to flinch after I said about that yesterday. So I tried <laughs> to leave it there for you. But, and like, it was just, yeah, it was so, so funny. But like Lance was one of those who really, like, I've, I think he gave me that confidence to speak to more of the other pros because he, he, he didn't have to come and watch my match. Like he then didn't even need to give me feedback on the match if I didn't ask for it. But mm-hmm. the fact that he felt that need to, and he felt that just that passion to give back and help the, so like the next generation sort of coming through, I had, I had so much respect for. Um, so yeah, that was uh yeah, that was that Southampton match. And yeah, I just remember that story about it. It's very yeah. funny. I remember talking to him outside about, I think Predator. I think it just <laughs> okay, nice. It was on TV, and me and I can't remember who it was me and someone were talking about it, and Lanzardi just came up and he was like, "That's not the best Predator film." <laughs> and then we got into a debate about Predator films. Amazing. He, he's a big sci-fi nerd. That's that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Like, I think that's it. Like, I'm you know I'm of the I was especially when I first started, um, but I was of the mindset of you know these are stars. They're not going to want to talk to me. You know, oh just yeah. Little, lowly guy but you know the more I've been around it the more comfortable I am to just well, that's you know they're just they're just guys they're just you know they're away from home they want to they want a conversation like that that's all it is yeah. um and if you can get the smallest bit of advice or a whole ton of advice it anything you can work with is great you know yeah that show was summer sizzler that you opened so I remember yes. that was the one where Shane Strickland wrestled ochre and uh yes. afterwards yeah, he was just giving advice uh yeah and i was there for like 25 minutes because i was doing the post-match interviews oh yeah yeah, yeah. and i did yeah, his and then for like 20 something minutes afterwards he was giving me advice about match structures and things i was like this is weird i, I how do we get onto this it was 25 minutes ago. i was like how did this conversation start i don't know <laughs> <laughs> no that's great it's like yeah again shane was another one who I was just starting to get comfortable around and then he obviously went and got signed and uh, Damn we, we had to stop, we had to stop using him, but yeah, yeah like he, he's another great lad. Like a, a lot, and most of them are, there's, yeah, there's not been that many who I've met who I, I've felt let down by, to be honest. Yeah. Nice. Um, like it's so rare that I can't think of one right now. There's just so many good guys. It's just, right. yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. There is there is a striking one I've got in my mind already. Um, okay. But I'm, I'm, I think you've already discussed you discussed <laughs> yes. it with Robbie. So yes, um, I know who yeah. you're on about. Yeah, right. I've heard more about um, that fellow. Yeah, but then equally, like I've I've had an, another few um, sort of interactions with him because I helped out on the ring crew for the few uh, Ring of Honor tours for their yes. first few UK tours, um, and he was he was okay there he was sort of not bad you know oh um, mad kurt so, tells me different stories <laughs> uh i mean i mean don't get me wrong he still wasn't a nice person okay. but it's it's the type of thing that i can just sort of like brush off you know um, okay i heard one where, story that was it you, you got nando's 
and uh, you were eating it at York Hall and you came along and you said, I thought the food was only for the stars. Oh, oh yeah. That, that, yeah, he... Um... He just made some comment like, oh, is this for the boys or for the crew? And uh, yeah, like I wasn't actually around at that point. Um, oh, okay. I, I just heard Mad Kirk just went, no, it's for the stars and you carried on eating. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, sounds about right. That sounds about <laughs> yeah. Mad Kirk to be fair. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Okay, so uh, we've been through your, your first match. Uh, your favourite match or your most... Treasured memory. You don't have to pick my match; it's fine. Oh. <laughs> um, oh, to be honest, I think that there's been a few recently. Like, again, I, as I said when I first got back into wrestling, like I just love a good story, you know. And I'll always try and give there needs to be a reason for something to happen. Um, so. The the whole feud I had with Bodum was pretty good because it was like, you know, Robbie and Curtis had both moved out from the contenders and I was like, basically the lone contender left. Mm-hmm. Um, there was go- They were going to do something with myself and uh, Zach Gibson, who's obviously tagging with Josh at the time. Um, but that was as NXT UK was starting and he he was signed and we didn't know whether we'd be able to use those guys or not. Um, and so unfortunately that, that all fell through. Um, but yeah, the story with Josh going through to Summer Sizzler, like I, I probably, I think the match we had at the Portsmouth Guildhall, I think was probably one of my favorite. I think that's actually up on YouTube as a, uh, free match Friday, um, okay. that Red Pro did, uh, but just f- for the, I remember that was the night Corden essentially said it could, could this go to your call and could we t- get this feud there um, so I was probably on a high from that as well because your call was the mecca for me that's where I really wanted to get to yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah like that match with him or the one at Sizzler was great I've had a couple of really good matches with Shah um, more recently I had a good one with Eddie Kingston um at the cockpit theater uh again all it just they seem to be the matches are thriving is that more brawlery sort of a style yeah um but then on the total flip side uh some of the stuff i've been doing in upw as part of my uh serious foul play um faction mm-hmm. um with sort of like rob lias adam de silva and max castles is uh <sighs> that that to me is just what wrestling is it's just stupid we're entertaining ourselves but because we're having a good time everyone else seems to be having a good time yeah. and I'll build up um, you know we'll, we'll try and build up little things to then because we're sort of like heels down there we'll, we'll build up the things to then slip on the banana peels like I'm not interested in being the cool heel that there is there like I'm very much the heel who thinks he's cool but he's actually not he's a total arse and (laughs) but he can't see that and like it's just I have so much fun in that kind of a role Mm -hmm. um and they they gave me the sort of like their version of the money in the bank briefcase and then they gave me the title which I went on had a nice year-long run with and 
there was a match I had in there against Eddie Ryan, which it was only, it was down in Wincanton. It was probably about maximum, maybe 120 people there. Mm-hmm. Like, but just the noise they were making, like we were doing shenanigan after shenanigan. Um, we had, we did this thing earlier in the night where Adam De Silva got injured and got carried out. And then he came back in wearing Eddie Ryan's lion mask to sort of like mess with the finish. And yeah, the, the, just again, the, the way Eddie built most of the, the story of that match. So as much as there was the undertone of, by that point, the fans had started to want, wanting to see us slip up. Um, just the story and the match alone, like we built it around a chop essentially. And he kept, he was the face, kept going for a chop and I kept dodging it, kept dodging it, doing everything I could to avoid it. And then at the end, I took a chop and I've not heard a bigger reaction for a chop <laughs> than I have for, I know, a Canadian, you know, like honestly, it was <laughs> ev- everybody, like I remember the first time I saw a Canadian, I lost my mind. Like the crowd, the crowd are doing that over this chop. It was just ridiculous. Um, and again, that, that for me is just a story, you know? Um, and then even more recently when I lost the belt to David Starr, like that was a year long build of all these little things. And I finally got my comeuppance and everything we wanted to happen in that match happened. Like we got the reactions we got, like, it was perfect. And I, I was a bit, I was proud of that because I was, I, I sort of like played a big part in putting that all together as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, it's, it's hard to pick just one match, to be honest. Um, obviously Robbie spoke about the match me and him had at Buckland. We had another really good one at Southampton, which was just a bit of a throwaway. Um, again, I think something's happened to that memory card. So I don't know if that will be seen. Um <laughs> But we did a classic. I had him in a submission. He like turned it into a pin with his feet on the ropes for the three count. So it looked like I was about to win it. And he just stole it. And like, yeah, it was just just little little things. Like when you when you hope for something and plan for something and the crowd reacts the way it happens, not the way you wanted it to happen, sorry, you uh that that's when it feels good because then you think, yeah, maybe I can, maybe I do know what I'm doing, you know. And I think naturally those moments then become your favourite. So oh, my next question is going to sound like a job interview, but <laughs> where do you see yourself <laughs> yeah. in five years? That's basically it. Yeah. What, <laughs> is that? Do you have um, any future goals? Are they set in stone, or are you just um, happy with how things are progressing at the moment? To be honest, if you'd have asked me a year ago, it would be a totally different question to now. Um, I think what with everything that's happened this year, um, I'm just I'm just so focused on enjoying myself. Um, I think there came a time when I was starting to really like get myself down over wrestling because I was I was I was essentially trying to force the issue. And when when I was forcing the issue and things weren't going the way I wanted, it just were yeah I I, re- I really didn't enjoy myself with it. Um, whereas on the flip side, while all of that was happening with one company with another company, I was just enjoying myself so much that 
I didn't want it to stop. Um, but yeah, what with everything that's happened this year and taking this break away and just, I've, I've, I have reevaluated and I'm now just, if, if I make it somewhere, great. But that's really not an end goal for me anymore. Just as long as I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing, you know, um, I'm going to pick, like, I'm going to, I'm going to pick shows I want to do for, that's going to benefit me as well as benefiting everything else, but benefiting me on the short term as well as the long term, I suppose. Um, like, again, I'm, I'm, I'm under no illusions. I'm a little bit older than some of the guys have been around longer than myself uh, because, you know, when I was 22, I felt back then that was me starting a bit late um, considering there's guys like Pete Dunn who'd already been doing it for, Ugh. you know, yeah. nine, nine, 10 years. Oh, it makes you feel so shit, me, doesn't you know it? I mean? Right. But, wow. you know, what the one thing I have, I have learned over, and this is more just a life thing in general as well, but, you know, don't, the only person you should compare yourself to is who you were yesterday. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, like I'll say this, there's a couple of young lads, obviously like you'll know him, like there's little Harry mm-hmm. and Will and obviously I know he's not with school anymore, but we had that little Dan as well. And like, they've been wrestling for a long time because they were doing it as juniors. Um, but they were still, I've had numerous conversations with each of them about, feeling like they're they're better than where they are or where they should be and they mm. see guys who are older than them <laughs> starting after them by getting more of a chance um but i always just say to them look just be patient they've got time on their hands um you yeah, know everyone the time, moves at pace right that's it you know like by the time harry gets to 22 which was the age i started he'd have had more years under his belt than I've had since being in wrestling. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. um, and so like, I, I think that's always the issue. You see your peers doing so well. Um, you see them, you know, some getting further ahead than others, but and naturally yeah. there is that jealousy. Um, but there's like, there's two ways you can go about it. You can let that consume you, affect you in a negative way. We can use that to help motivate you. Um, and that's that's always tried to be my outlook on it is to use it to motivate myself um, and yeah like I say just now just to do things that I I want to do because I enjoy you know um, so yeah it, in answer to your question Ben I, I really couldn't tell you where I see myself in five years time um, if it's if if it's over and done it's over and done if I'm if I've made it somewhere I've made it somewhere if I'm still doing now what I'm doing, you know, with coaching people and, you know, try, trying to give that advice where I can, then that'll be just as great as well. You know what I mean? Just as long as I'm happy doing it. Yeah. There's a great show on the high spots hosted by Brian Myers called developmentally speaking, where he talks to guys who were in WWE developmental and they talk about like the different paths to there. And like the yeah. amount of different stories you hear. And there was one, it was Colt Cabana, Tommaso Ciampa and Chris Hero. And mm. Tommaso got signed before his like 30th match or something. He was barely like a year in. And Colt Cabana right, was yeah. 12 years in at the time. And they were talking about that, like how just different people go differently through this, right. I guess, profession. 
Um, yeah, no, yeah. that's it. Like yeah, so, I mean, one. even you look at, I, I know it's very, very difficult to have that old school territory sort of a thing nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you look at someone like AJ Styles, you know, like, oh, yeah. How, how long did it, like, wasn't he with WCW around the time of the takeover? Yeah. And then yeah. he had the odd match and got released. And it yeah. took him, you know, a 20 year career to essentially build himself up to be the best wrestler in the world. Yeah. To uh, to before he made it to WWE, um, and then I mean, look at DDP. How old yeah. was he when he started? He was like thirty something. Right. That's it. Like I think that's that's yeah. That's always the 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 big go to. And so, sometimes I do wonder if he's like almost the exception to prove the rule because like he obviously knew a lot of people within that industry anyway, and it's, it's the kind of thing of you know getting his foot in the door, knowing the right people um but equally as you say like he could turn around back then thought oh i'm too old to do this and he clearly proved he wasn't you know what i mean yeah so um yeah obviously we've got a couple of people at our training school who started in their late 30s who you know they're as enthusiastic if not more enthusiastic about it than these like youngsters you know what i mean (laughs) um and just again, as I sort of said earlier, earlier on, as long as people listen and take on board things, and you know, mould that uh, that advice to what suits them, because that you know, advice isn't a one shoe fits all. Um, but yeah, as long as they listen to it, then they're gonna succeed in whatever way they want to. You know? Yeah, it depends. Yeah, there's a. Like, what are you, are you in here for fun or are you in here because you want to make it your job? And that also affects mentally, I think, how happy you are with it. Yeah, that's it. And I think, like, you know, I, I think there's nothing wrong with people who are super serious about it and, you know, it's going to be their career and that's their main focus and everything. Mm-hmm. But equally, there's nothing wrong with it being just a weekend warrior hobby. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think... I, sometimes that can cause a bit of friction between people because they're like, oh, so-and-so's not, doesn't care about this like I do, or oh, so-and-so's taking this way too seriously, blah, blah, blah. But like, I think as long as you just evaluate your needs and work with each other and realise, well, okay, maybe you're not getting out of this what you want to, but I am. And yeah. let, now let me try to work out so we can both get the most out of this like that's for me that's what wrestling should be in general you know what i mean yeah um sorry dan don't want to keep you too much longer uh my last question is um because we have so many trainees who listen to this podcast um yeah advice for anybody who's well was currently training before the pandemic happened and anybody who's thinking about becoming a professional wrestler um my for me one of the biggest things that i think isn't covered so much is how like people need to realize how tough wrestling is um and in that regard i don't just mean like you know you need to be fit or the toll it takes on your body just the toll it can take mentally as well you can be drained you know uh like obviously like Aiden, you're a prime example of someone who will 
get up early to come help us at York Call and you'll get the first train there and you'll stay until your last train at night. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we've, there are so many guys who, like, especially if you're part of the ring crew or everything, like they'll be pulling 14, 15 hour days. Like obviously there's the unwritten rule that you don't sleep in the car because the driver can't sleep. So it's not fair. Um, So there can be times when it can be just so, mentally draining and when you're then trying to couple that with a some sort of job whether it's full-time or part-time but just something to help support you um while you go on this journey or while you're trying to train at the gym or go to wrestling train like honestly it, it can and will take over your life um and i think it takes a special kind of strong person to really understand that and know that um like there there's there are people i've seen come through the training school in my sort of six and a bit years that i've been there now um or even seven if we count in this pandemic actually but either way um like who are super talented could go somewhere with it but they just don't have the mental strength to to stick with it mm-hmm. um and part of that is they don't want to do the you know, the, the paying your dues uh, sort of like mindset or they 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 feel because they're better than they should be being given everything. And um, yeah, so for me, I think that's that is a big, big thing. It's just be if you are thinking of training or you're just starting your training, be prepared to to have that uh, your sort of like mental toughness tested and try to keep that strong um, because it is tough, but it is also so, so rewarding. Like I remember the first short call I did where um, where I actually went up to help on the show and I was up in London for 8 a.m. So I was in the car at quarter to six, I want to say, just because it was a Friday, mm-hmm. London traffic's obviously dreadful. Um, and we didn't leave until gone midnight. I'd had about three hours sleep because uh, my housemates at the time were having just a classic um, sort of like Thursday night drinks uh, <laughs> before going to the club. So I had very little sleep. I was so physically exhausted, but that show was the AJ Styles versus Marty versus Will um, for the title. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was just so, so good for any, aspiring trainee to watch and want to be a part of um so yeah so that's 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 probably my uh my big thing and then ev- everything else is your obvious you know just try to stay in some shape you don't need to be ripped but you need to have good cardio um you know you need to be able to last you need to be able to listen take criticism on board take the praise on board and not let it go to your head and just stay grounded um and yeah, I think I think that's that's the main factors you need. And think about think about your stuff. Um, that's the one thing I've noticed since since I've started becoming a sort of like one of the coaches. Uh, just even if it was just the beginner stuff, but having to explain to uh, sort of like your trainees why we do what we do, it yes. gets you thinking about your own stuff, and. I can honestly say my biggest increase in my wrestling ability came in that period when 
I just started to coach and I just started to have to think about why I'm doing what I'm doing. And, you know, you then take that mentality and you apply it to, I don't know, you watch an undertaker match. Why is he doing what he's doing there? Now you take it out mentally and you apply it to your own stuff as opposed to what you're trying to teach others. What are you trying to get across with you using that move there or show up at that point there, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, um, I think um, some people tell us storytelling, but I think people just see that as what is the end result when we should describe it as what is the narrative? Like yeah. What, what are you doing at certain points? Like, yeah. That's it. Yeah, like a lot of people are quite, as you say, that that it's the end. The end goal, you know, like the ending of the story is all they care about. But yeah, like what story are you ending, telling? Oh, we're telling the story exactly. of me beating this guy. When it should be, what's the narrative of the match? Yeah. Okay. So you're beating that guy, but how are you beating him? Yeah. Oh well, I'm beating this. Like, well, why are you beating him like that? That's what you need to think about. That's what you need to look at. You know. Again, going back to that handshake thing, like yeah. that's such a simple little thing, but all it was is, you know, like we had that little square off one another at the start of the match I eventually beat you but you know what you earned my respect I'm being the bigger guy often shake my hand you're being the little weasel your character is it's like no I'm throwing a strop I'm not happy with that like I'm not going to shake your hand and then you leave sort of thing yeah. and like that that is a simple story 101 but it puts across so much for the audience to digest and the next time when you know if we were to have another match that's then something to play on you know yeah. what I mean? Um, and the story so, of yeah. the match was like, I was working your back the whole time and you were trying to fight back. And then you did that uh, cannonball spot and you sold your back. So it's like, you know, you're fighting through the pain to do your moveset sort of thing. Like that was right. the narrative. Yeah. So there's kind it, of two know. stories. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that's it again. It's like, as I said, you want to keep things simple, but if you can, if you can add an extra dimension to something, without overcomplicating it, then they're the better stories, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. For me, it's just like, again, I look at the Chris Jericho stuff, the whole reason he started talking the way he did and, you know, talking slow and calling the crowd hypocrites is because they all cheered Sean Michaels after Sean did a fake of the knee injury and, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, made out that, basically did a hill hill move to win the match but the crowd still cheered for it and jericho was like no that's not that that's not right that shouldn't be it so then he started like exactly um, and they always say like the best heels you know always have you know they're not evil because they're just for the sake of being evil they've got a valid a valid viewpoint they're justified in their own mind yeah yeah that's it you need to and i think that goes with with anything you're saying like even a face heel whatever but you need to believe what you're saying is the truth if you Absolutely. want somebody else to believe it you know like I, I there's been a few things I've done again I've, I've done more of my sort of like talking as sort of like my heel persona down at UPW and there's been more of the, the more of the um sort of like things that have really resonated have been things that I can I, I can find truth in and it's difficult for a crowd to deny that, but then they get annoyed because they can't deny it. And they then turn that frustration. Cause they're not going to be annoyed at themselves. They'll turn that frustration, and be annoyed at you. And then you'll get even more heat from it. Mm -hmm. 
I remember I actually watched it back a few days ago. Um, but the last UPW show I had, which was, you know, about three weeks before the pandemic hit, um, it was the first show after uh, I'd lost the belt to David Starr. And obviously David Starr is an international superstar or was. And um, he he wasn't at that show, but mm-hmm. I was there. So, so I had cut this big promo about how, you know, for the last year, despite being booed by the crowd, I've turned up to every show. <laughs> and the first show after I've dropped the belt, oh, look, I'm still here, but your champion isn't, blah, blah, blah. And again, that is all truth and that is all facts. And even though we know the real reason as to why that's the case, like it's because he wasn't booked on the show, he was elsewhere. Yeah. Um, but in terms of that storyline, it gave my heel character a legitimate reason to be annoyed at the fact the crowd were cheering when I lost the belt. It gave me a, a fact, like a legitimate reason to be annoyed that they were booing me when I came out. And I sort of like really played into that and dug off of that to the point where uh, Robbie was backstage and he was sort of like next to one of the owners and the owner sort of said, is he shooting on us right now? Because <laughs> there was, because there was truth to it. And that, as you say, Ben, like every good heel has truth to what he's saying. And um, I, I definitely learned that from, Jericho's run uh, when he was sort of like that suited heel and then obviously it all evolved from there so like that's why the crowd started hating him because he was saying nasty things about them even though they were true and then because they were booing him he ended up not wanting to appease them and that's why then he started being a cheat even more and stuff and that's where that extra dimension comes into the story but it's still simple good guy bad guy stuff you know what I mean like yeah as soon as you can get your head around that and get your head around story like that, I think that's when it can go to the next level and learning how to adapt to that story. That's, that's my next step now is how can I take my experiences in one place and adapt it to work elsewhere? You know, do you think that the TV tapings that Rev Pro did helped with that? Because you were doing a lot of promos throughout that, weren't you with your Shah Samuels feud? Yeah. So, um, looking back, I remember at the time, uh, the, the very first promo I had, which was we're on the first episode with Kevin Kelly. Yep. Um, Ringside. Yeah. So I, that wasn't, that was never meant to be a promo. Oh, essentially I was told um, you're going to, uh, you know, Kevin's going to be here. He's going to be asking you some questions um, regarding the contenders division, uh, but you're going to be interrupted by Shah he's going to cut his promo, mug you off, and then you're going to have a bit of a confrontation. So that's what I was told. So for me, my whole thing was, as soon as camera's rolling and Kevin starts talking to me, Shah's walking down the aisle, right? (laughs) Yep. That's not what happened. No, no, you were there for like 20-something seconds, weren't you? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, you know, Kevin asked his question and then handed it over to me, and it... That, that was essentially a shoot. Like I, I had no idea what I was saying. I was just, again, I was describing the legitimate point and of, of the contenders division, you know? Yeah. Um, and I remember afterwards, sort of like Kevin actually pulling me aside and being like, oh, the way you sort of like, you just had that off the top of your head, that was really good. Like, no, well done. And um, so I was quite, quite happy with myself. Um, watching it back, man, it's dreadful. 
Like, <laughs> it's so, it's so wooden. But again, like I'm, I'm then comparing it to actual other wrestling promo, uh, promos, right? Yeah. Which it clear it wasn't a wrestling promo because I wasn't trying to deliver it in that side. It was just me being natural and just talking. And I mean, you'll hear it through this podcast, I'm sure. But there are times when I'll. Uh, pause and I'll say the errs and I'll think about what I'm saying as I'm saying it and that's how that promo came across so yeah when you compare it to a natural wrestling promo it's not great but in terms of just being natural and talking on camera that is me there and then you know what I mean um so I definitely think that helped blow away some cobwebs of being nervous and talking in front of people um, and then obviously we do the backstage interviews and stuff as well, which, mm-hmm. you know, you, you think about, but you probably only have about 30 seconds before you actually come out with what you're going to say. So again, a lot of that is just off the cuff. Um, and that's the one thing I never really did when I started training was promos. I think it was about a year and a half before my first promo class per se at the school. Wow. Yeah. So um, it's actually something I do now, even with all the new guys since you know, since we came back between the two lockdown periods, um, at the end of probably 90% of my uh, sessions while I was coaching, we were doing a promo where we would do the 30-second rope run and then a 30-second promo, sometimes about what they want to do. Sometimes I'll give them a subject and they've just got to run with it. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't matter whether it's a good promo. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. All that matters is talking in front of people and being confident to do it. Um, and I remember there's this one girl, uh, her name's Rosie, who she's only just started to come in after the lockdowns. And we did it on the second session she was there and she totally froze up. She didn't know what she wanted to say. I was like, you speak about whatever you want, 30 seconds. I don't think she even managed five seconds to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward about another six or seven sessions and she's already starting to build a character for herself she's confident in talking about things she's she's learning the point of pausing for humor and things like that and like it's just it's so warming to see you know um see someone grow and go through that uh that period i suppose um but yeah i I definitely think those tv tapings helped just get rid of those nerves because I mean, that's probably the most accessible thing I've done, I would I would have said. And to watch it back, know it's dreadful, but no, uh, well, nothing else is going to be that bad. Like, it gives me confidence <laughs> going into every other promo, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, sorry, I don't want to keep you much longer, and we're running out of time again. Um, <laughs> that's okay, sorry. Is there anything you want to plug or where can people uh, find you on social media? Um, to be honest, I've actually come off of a lot of social media. Now, I'm not on Twitter anymore. Um, it's just a vile, horrible place. Oh, um, so I just, I can't be doing with that negativity. Um, if you want to see lovely pictures of my dogs, I'm on Instagram. Um, <laughs> That's what we want. I want that's it. So my, my Instagram handle is Dan McGee 12. That's M A G E E. Um, but to be honest, at the moment, um, I'm not really 
posting much wrestling related uh, because obviously there's nothing much wrestling yeah. happening for myself yeah. personally. Um, but also I just, I did start to get to the point where I needed a break and this is almost, this lockdown has been a small blessing in disguise in some regards to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I um, find like, like when you can't wrestle and like seeing uh, like Instagram of guys in the States or whatever, and the, they are wrestling, it's kind of like rubbing it in your face and you just kind of want to move away from that. Yeah, exactly. Like I just, you know, as, as I said at the start of this podcast, I've, I've really started to appreciate a lot more of what's around me. Like, then it used to be, a, you know, Monday to Friday job, show Saturday, show Sunday. You know, I'd be coaching Monday evenings, training Wednesday evenings. If I didn't have shows at the weekend, I'd be training weekend days. And like, I just didn't ever have any time to myself, really. Yeah. Um, and again, it's obviously, it's, that's my own decision. That's my own, um, that's the lifestyle I've, accom- I've had to accommodate for chasing this wrestling dream. So I'm not, knocking it by any means but it has been nice to not have to worry about it so much for the last sort of like six months to a year i suppose yeah um but, but, things, but yeah. things are turning around now so hopefully it won't be that much much longer hopefully until... that, that's it i mean again obviously when as and when shows start up again i'm sure i'll be in and amongst the rev pro stuff uh in amongst the upw um stuff down sort of like the southwest um they're sort of like the main two promotions i was uh i've really built a foothold and then i'm just you, you can find me in other places as well obviously i'll post about them when i get them um but yeah that, that's if you want to find me or even if you just want to talk to me about i don't know marvel cinematic universe i'm loving that at the moment <laughs> uh like honestly add follow me send me a message i'm very easy I've, I've got nothing to do at the moment so i'm happy to talk as this podcast proven <laughs> awesome well no it's been a fantastic episode and we thank you very much for for joining us and we're all very excited to see uh what's going to happen in the future when when shows return yes no, thanks for having me and uh yeah hopefully it won't be long until i get to see your lovely faces again because yeah. It's been a long time. <laughs> Can I just say as well, uh, like the match that we had is my favourite match I've ever done. Oh, I'm I'm happy, man. Thank like you. That was like the first time I've done a match, and I was like, that was a well-told story. And there's only like one bit that I'd change in it, but that was my fault. Uh, oh, really? What, what was that? Yeah. Oh, you went for a submission, and I rolled up too quickly. Oh, okay. And I was like, like real nitpicking there. I know, but I was like, yeah. maybe I should have done a submission to add drama because I'd worked you back the whole time. Maybe I should have put you in a Boston Crab. But that's really, yeah. Nitpicky. Yeah. But uh, no. Yeah. No, that match is my favorite match I've ever done. Oh, um, but I'm happy I can be a part of that, mate. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Considering that we'd only found out, I think, that morning and we didn't even talk about it till the ring was up and the show had started, I think. Yeah, yeah, again, yeah. I think I, I remember there was like a point I went to you, right, man, I'm just going to go get some food and then I'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. And then we just we kept missing each other. And it was a case of, right, what exactly do you do? Because I'd see you do little <laughs> bits, but it was like, right, let's nail down it so we can mesh our stuff together. And yeah, I, I, I thought it went really well. Um, yeah. You know, again, as you say, for something, a lot, a lot of matches like that where 
not it wasn't obviously off the cuff but where it was as I said earlier you know you didn't get time to overthink things you just put a simple story together yeah and you had a good match you know and yeah it worked really well because I only found out I wasn't wrestling JJ when we got to training then we got to the venue and I was like who am I wrestling and they're like we don't know yet maybe Dan McGee (laughs) I was like like okay (laughs) sometimes that's how the best matches come about yeah yeah. oh yeah because you're not overthinking you just what comes naturally yeah again like sorry I'm gonna talk again Um, but one one last story before I go um when I mentioned about getting the uh the UPW's money in the bank equivalent um Mm. essentially the way they did it we had three uh summer shows at the Weymouth Pavilion sort of like every two weeks and uh I was on the show and I was sort of like a face down there at the time and you know the first show I had a match and it was okay didn't really do didn't do anything to shout home about um and then uh the second match it was a tag match myself and Eddie Ryan and I'll be honest, I can't remember who we tagged against now. Um, but it was in that match at the end I turned on Eddie to then lead to the third week of I have this qualifying match to get into their briefcase, um, fatal four way. Mm-hmm. Now I only I only found out at the start of that um after getting the ring up, uh, right, you're having a tag match tonight and you're gonna be turning and this is the and and that was like the first time I'd heard of it, and it's like okay. So now I've got to try and think of the way to, we can turn and make it realistic and this and that. And yeah, in the end, it, uh, it it just played really well because I wasn't sitting there for two weeks overthinking all this convoluted stuff, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and that's brought me to one last match as well, actually, for my favourite match as a shout out. Um, it was myself and Adam De Silva. We tagged against Eddie Ryan and Joshua James. Um, he's obviously another Portsmouth School of Wrestling guy. Um, yeah, we had a tag match at the Weymouth Pavilion and I honestly think, like, the match probably went for about 20, 25 minutes. I think the only quote-unquote move I did was a crossbody. <laughs> and it was quite possibly the best match I'd had up until that point. It was just, there was so much fun. Like, some of the earlier seeds we'd planted in other matches uh, got paid off within that match. Um, and yeah, it was just that that was one of those where you would just work and I knew stuff that Josh would do. I knew stuff that Eddie could do, that Adam could do, and just it all meshed together so well. And um, yeah, I remember walking backstage and Rob Lice was there and he went, oh, mate, that was a really, really good match. And I went don't even think I did one move, you know, and uh, it was only after watching it back. I saw I did one crossbody and a few stomps and that was it. <laughs> nice. But yeah, but yeah, anyway, sorry for, to keep on talking again, no, no. but um, yeah, no, we will uh, hopefully see your faces in the near future. I think April was the, the, the rough estimate of things opening back up again. <laughs> so hopefully, yeah, I, I don't like getting my hopes up at this point anymore. I've been, I think, crushed so many times exactly i know i know exactly what you mean yeah i'm the exact same um yeah like like i say it i I just know as and when it does i'm going to be in a better position after this lockdown than i was after the first one because the first one i was so out of shape it was ridiculous motivated Uh, as hell oh yeah 
that's it that's it and then yeah like i said we, we can use this time to reinvent ourselves a bit as well which i think will be fun yeah cool well thanks guys really appreciate you taking the time and uh we'll speak to you soon take care cool. patch you soon guys have, have a good afternoon you, you too cool. cheers bye bye, bye.